You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I am your host for this episode, Mike, and I am joined by the lovely and talented Austin. Hello. Hi. This is another episode that's just the two of us, though I am excited because in the next couple of weeks, we have some very cool guests. Yes, we do. Um, and so those of you who listen, who are just sick of hearing Austin and I talk, uh, well, you're still going to hear us talk next week and the week after that, but we will have another voice that we will be talking to as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Are we going <clears> to <throat> just leave it as a teaser? Or are we going to say who we're um, we can, we, can, we can promote, why not? So who do we have on next week, Austin? So next week, we have That Witchy Dude, also known as Jeff. That Witchy Dude is, uh, is, is, is the name of his business. That's how he's known on TikTok. Um, he's become a, a, a good friend of mine, and, and we're going to be talking about uh, ATRs and... Uh, his experience in them as someone who is not a person of color. And that's that's African traditional yes. religions, and, ATRs, yes. And he's going to talk about his experiences and hopefully give some of our listeners who might have an interest in looking into these things um, a way to maybe pursue them respectfully, um, legitimately, and how to look out for some... Um, some red flags in yeah. other people because Jeff is very knowledgeable. Uh, he's one of the few practitioners who I actually trust to, 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 to like read for me. Um, and yeah. So, okay. All right. And then we have someone that you're a little bit more uh, familiar with Nick Garen. Uh, Bree, Bree Nick Garen, who is uh, an author, a pagan author and mm-hmm. a, a witchcraft author who will be on the following week. And we're going to be talking with Brie a little bit about, uh, of course, their writing, mm-hmm. um, the, their books. We're going to talk about their books a little bit. And um, also, I, I thought it would be kind of cool to go through the process with them of, of what it is to actually be an author in the pagan community. Yeah. Um, because we all, we all, I think a lot of us can kind of grasp the idea of what it means to be an author or what that might look like. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think you're dealing with a slightly different dynamic there when you add the focus of uh, witchcraft. Yes, most to definitely. something like that. So, well, most definitely because I mean, I mean, we'll get into it next week. But there's so there's such a broad spectrum, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yes. All right. Well, for tonight, and before we kind of dive into our topic for the evening, um, I want to really quickly address a question that we got from one of our listeners on last week's episode. We spoke very briefly on on uh, well, not too briefly, but we did speak on planetary correspondences. And during that exchange, we talked a bit about planetary squares. Mm-hmm. One of our listeners um, had never heard of those before, and so they contacted us asking us if we would maybe share some some additional information. And so, um, so what I really want to do is I want to just kind of again, just very briefly, you know, um, there there to be honest is a lot of information available out there, even online on planetary squares. You can even just do a Google search for planetary squares, and you'll find information or reference. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this episode, just very briefly, um, I just want to say, you know, these are. Uh, basically magical tools um, that originated in the high magic and mystical practices of the Middle East, the, uh, I believe, North Africa, and the Mediterranean Mediterranean areas of the world. And these go way, way back. And you may even find reference or mention of planetary squares in some of the old texts that we consider like the classical grimoires, these kinds of things. Um, 
basically the planets are all seen or determined to have names that align to numerological values that are found for letters within old alphabets. Um, I think probably the most common one, at least in, in my personal information or research, the most common alphabet would have been uh, Hebrew. Mm -hmm. The Hebrew alphabet, um, a lot of people maybe are not aware, but the letters within the Hebrew alphabet all have a numerological correspondence. They all relate to a number. And so in using kind of the, the, um, the numbers, the numbers that are used to generate a planetary square, what those are is those are numbers that align to the uh, letters that would give us the intelligences, the term that would, one of the terms that would be used would be intelligences, the consciousness in essence, basically, the consciousness and the spirit of said planet, the spirit of each planet. So um, once the intelligence or the spirit of the planet would basically have been identified, um, that information would then be spelled out. The resulting numerological correspondences for those letters would then be added up to form a base number, right? And usually each planet had more than one. Yeah. Like each planet would have multiple numbers. Um, but in uh, looking at uh, the way that that would then be utilized in uh, ritual work is you would see um, that numerical sequence, that number, uh, then basically kind of drawn out into a grid-like pattern. Um, and if you see planetary squares, you're going to see that that's what they look like. They look like a bunch of, like, up and down. Um, it's like, like it's a grid, and each little box in the grid has an individual number. Um, and those numbers, um, as they're, they move from, like, left to right, right to left, up and down, all these things, those numbers, the totality of those numbers on each line of that grid will all equate or equal, the, like, kind of like what would be seen as, like... Um, like the number for that planet. Um, and these would be, uh, these squares, these these things would be drawn on the surfaces of things. You could put them on an altar uh, as a part of a ritual work to conjure the intelligence and the spirit of that particular planet. Um, people would make amulets of these, um, you know, with uh, roughly worked metal, clay, stone, these kinds of things. Um, these amulets then they could I don't know that they would always necessarily be worn, but you would find or could find these amulets utilized once again as uh, like ritual tools mm -hmm. or things that would maybe be used to mark. And the idea with these, in, in essence, really is that in utilizing these, they are going to conjure or call in the energy of that planet because each planet is known to have particular spirits and correspondences. Um, and most people, I think, because of the influence of astrology, now we'll probably be, or we'll have a bit more of a familiarity with some of those correspondences. You know, we know that um, Venus would uh, certainly be a planetary influence that we would call upon for relationships and love. Um, you know, so on. I'm so sorry for the buzzing. Someone is is trying to to text me. Um, I don't know. People know that we do the podcast. I don't know what the problem is. Um, anyway, let me turn this off. Um, I didn't realize I would need to. <clears throat> so anyway, so that's basically what what these are. Um, you know, you can you can utilize planetary sigils in uh, or squares, excuse me, squares in a number of ways, and um, and that actually really is kind of what I would encourage people to think of these as. You know, I just slipped and said the word sigil, but in essence, that's really kind of what these are. These are sigils that have 
an established process behind their creation that aligns to all of those things old numerological values the celestial values of these bodies in space these planets in space um the associated spirits and then of, of course the the utilization of these old magical alphabets well not just magical alphabets but but just these old alphabets right um yeah and again these are going to be found more commonly in the occult practices, high magic, high ceremonial, and mystical practices of the particular areas of the world that I that I kind of mentioned at the beginning of this mm. ex explanation. So, um, not necessarily something that I would associate with witchcraft as a practice, because I think that witchcraft, as it is traditionally done probably wouldn't have utilized something like a planetary square mm -hmm. that is not to say that witches don't use these now they do i i use these mm -hmm. um so it is not to say that witches wouldn't utilize these things now um but that would be uh, a kind of an example of something that was kind of chosen you chose to bring this into your practice right so um hopefully that answers or clarifies a little bit more on uh planetary squares and um we love the questions. Uh, please contact us if you have any others. And any of the rest of you who listen to our podcast, please contact us with your questions. We will, we will absolutely get back to you with an answer. All right. Did I, did I cover that sufficiently, do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, is these planetary squares are very potent when being utilized appropriately. Um, and I personally am a believer that if you're going to utilize the planetary influences and energies in your practice then you want to you, you need to go full bore on it so you would need to use the particular seal also associated with that planet i would also use the particular um <clears throat> planetary hour associated with that planet um and work it that way so um so i'm gonna say that if you want to take and incorporate these into your practice um then go full bore with it study yeah know. learn those correspondences any 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 kind of magical correspondence that you choose to learn or bring into your craft is ultimately just going to benefit your practice yes you know i mean if you look at like the planetary square of venus we know that friday is associated with venus what hour is associated with venus you know what plants are associated with venus and you could probably whip together a pretty kick-ass incense or oil to utilize in love yeah so say so so let me listen to since you, you cut you're elaborating on this now so say on a friday mm -hmm. right you are going to actually draw up a square of venus mm -hmm. right place that on your altar and you can even just do this on paper right just a, a piece of paper right and you're going to use that this is just one example right of how you could do this you're going to use that as almost in a sense kind of like the, that's going to be the surface that you do your work on right mm -hmm. it'll be your altar if you're yeah exactly that's going to be kind of like the like the focus now for an altar right or, or as is, is going to be your, your your altar um and then you are going to put together or assemble the other components of your spell you would then also i think use that square as a visual focus mm -hmm. during your working um and there are often in, invocations and things that would be done ritually you know this is again another one of these like we're not just going to sketch out this square this planetary square we're going to actually like we're going to harness some intent we're going to raise some energy we're going to do some some sort of uh, evocation or uh do something to really kind of connect to the spirit of that planet and um or spirits of that planet depending on what you're doing mm -hmm. so yeah so these are very uh they're very practical um though they may seem complicated they really are not 
And, um, and these are something that have been used by magical practitioners for centuries and they're, they're, they're good. There's, there's power here and that's what we want as witches, right? Mm -hmm. We, we go where there's power or there's power. You could even go Um, as far as instead of doing it on paper, um, you could take like spirit chalk or just chalk in the associated color and draw that on the ground and then Mm -hmm you work in that area and that's your ritual absolutely space. oh yeah you could you could like if you had I mean, that's right, really big <laughs> you have the right kind of surface though you could though right you could you could actually like draw you know trace or draw one of these large enough to fill an entire room mm-hmm. you know absolutely um one last thing i want to clarify because i talked about these being uh uh something that originated in the occult the the mystical practices of uh the middle east North Africa and the Mediterranean. Um, I, I want to say that though that is the case, these are not something that would be considered a closed practice. Okay, so you do not need to worry about um, misappropriating in utilizing these or incorporating these into your practice if you chose to. So, all right. Well, let's move on. All right, because we do have a topic for tonight. And this is one that will probably be really kind of more Austin's thing, although I I definitely know that I will have some observations and some questions. So tonight, I thought it would be good to talk about Reiki. We did an episode last year, Mm -hmm. um, I believe, on just energy work, like healing healing, work, you know, um, and we had Chris on that episode as well because he also works as as a healer and as a medical intuitive. And um, this episode, I really, though, I wanted to focus specifically on Reiki because it seems to me that Reiki is kind of experiencing um, kind of like another surge in popularity. Mm-hmm. Like it, for the last little while, it almost seemed like people were like, oh, yeah, you know, and now everybody's like, oh, I got to get Reiki, you know, um, you know, and so and, you know, and I'm encouraged by that because it tells me that people are um continuing to kind of broaden their scope a little bit when mm-hmm. it comes to their belief and what they're looking to experience, right? Um, but I also, I have a little bit of concern with this, um, and you'll be able to address this much better than I can, Austin, but whenever we see any kind of uh, spiritual practice um, become overly popular, you know, we start to see things like this becoming a trend. We start to see unscrupulous and unethical people out there who follow these kinds of things mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, hey, I can make a quick buck. All I have to do is lie and say I'm this thing and get these people to pay me money. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and that's that's the part that concerns me because practices like this, and, and I'm skeptical about Reiki, you know this, I tease you a lot about Reiki because it's just, it's just not my thing. Right. Uh, um, And I guess when I say I'm skeptical, it's not that I don't believe in Reiki because I've seen the benefit that people can get from Reiki. So I believe that Reiki is legit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when I say I'm skeptical, it's because I I struggle a little bit with some of the history, um, the community that kind of kind of sprung up around Reiki, even all those years ago Mm -hmm. when Usui was, you know, still alive and doing his thing right um i'm kind of like this this sometimes based on the history and who we're talking about this seems almost like culty to me well it's not supposed to be um and i understand that but anyway so austin what what would you tell our tell our listeners how would you really explain like what is reiki 
Reiki is first and foremost a spiritual practice. A lot of people hear Reiki and they automatically go to energy healing. And that is most definitely true. That is something that we can utilize it for, but it is a practice um, and simply boiled down, it is a it is a mindfulness practice that is centered around the idea that everything is interconnected. Um, it's centered around the idea as well that the physical body, uh, in order to heal, uh, we need to also heal the energetic and spiritual body. It's all about balance. This does not mean that we can heal cancer. This doesn't mean uh, that we can heal depression or schizophrenia. Instead, what this means is that the act of healing um, the energetic and spiritual bodies uh, will respond with the mundane. So, you know, um, okay. it's the idea that if you have a mundane physical illness, then it's going to show up in your spiritual body, in your spiritual and energetic body. And then by addressing it in the energetic form, it'll encourage the body to, I don't want to say release it, but it'll encourage the body to do what it needs to do to heal. Okay. Uh, so, okay, so then, so with what you just said there, mm -hmm. okay, so in, in trying to put that in kind of like, like, simpler more like practical like mundane kinds of terms so mm -hmm. or um it sounds to me from your explanation that reiki would really be a better uh like a supplemental kind of therapy Correct. when we're talking about the healing component of reiki mm -hmm. right and the energy work that's being Correct. done it sounds to me like like this is this should never be something ever be something that people are like well i don't need to go see my doctor because i'll i'll just go get reiki that's correct. And as a matter of fact, Dr. Usui was actually a medical doctor. Um, okay. And on top of that, he encouraged and worked with the medical professionals in his area. Okay. Um, I'm going to preface this, and everyone here who, who listens... It's just you and me. ...will know um, that I'm not a light worker. I'm first and foremost a witch. You know, as which I go where there's power and where I can sense I will receive empowerment. I don't talk to angels. Uh, I don't burn white sage. I don't live in fear of the unknown. I don't chase high vibrations or believe in mold that moldavite is going to ruin your life. Reiki is a current of energy that is positive. It can only do what is best for the alignment of the person. Okay. And so because of that, um, it's been taken and bastardized by New Age movements um, with this idea that, well, it can't, you know, anyone can do it, and it's 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 utilized in the same way medicine is, and that's just not the case. That's just not true. Even okay. Haleo Takata, who was one of Chujiro Hayashi, who was one of the original students of Dr. Usui, Haleo uh, Takata actually went to Japan to work with specialists around some of the health matters she was dealing with um, in her in her life, and. In tandem, she started working with Reiki practitioners. She received treatments both on a physical, medical level, and a spiritual level. Okay. And she saw really good results from that. All right. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions. Okay. Okay, so again, kind of based on what you said. So, is Reiki witchcraft? No. So this would be similar, perhaps, to what we were talking about a moment ago with, like, planetary squares, right? Correct. That this is a modality. Yes. Uh, a practice mm -hmm. that you can choose to incorporate into your personal spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. But this is not witchcraft. That's correct. Okay. Um, would this be considered folk magic? No. 
Okay. Well, mm, 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 that's where we get into like, okay, but what's the history? Um, Dr. Usui was a Tendai Buddhist monk. He okay. was not Christian, um, though there are, um, oh God, I can't remember what they're called. Jumons. Jumons um, are utilized in the practice of Reiki. If you're learning from a teacher and they don't tell you about Jumons or Reijus or anything like that, you're not learning from a Reiki professional. You're learning from someone who learned something online and took a two-day intensive and boom, mm -hmm. they're a Reiki master. Yeah. Um, but Jumons are actually, um, they, they are watered down. Now, again, the individuals in this culture would not agree with that, um, but they are, they are spells. Okay. Um, they are folk practice spells that you would find in practices like Shinto. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So there would be some crossover yes. from perhaps other folk practices. Most definitely. Okay. All right. So, all right. So it's not witchcraft. It's no. not folk practice. Okay. Um, trying to think of other of the other questions that I had for you and it's like my mind just went blank. Um, okay. So is Reiki angels? No. Like angel energy? No. Okay. All right. Uh, is it channeling the consciousness of ascended masters like the Buddha and or Christ and or Muhammad and or all the others? Nope. Okay. Is it silver fluffy dragons? No. That are apparently Quan Yin healing dragons? No. I'm just, what I'm doing right here is I'm spouting off all the shit that I've heard from light workers mm -hmm. over the years like this is what this is and it's like mm, no you're wrong well so, i don't even practice reiki and i know you're full of shit so in 2022 the year they're winning right now um is it 22 is it really 20 or is it 21 no we're in 2022 sorry i just wanted to see if i could trip you up there anyway it's go on hard i don't have time um there's over 25 different traditions or currents oh god it sounds like religion basically that's what that's what it was you, you initially started with traditional usui um reiki ryo um and then it moved from there into other schools like tibetan and uh i mean i i haven't i have you have karuna <coughs> not karuna karama karama no it's karuna it's karuna reiki um seishim reiki you have Blue Fire Reiki, Tibetan Reiki, Rainbow Reiki, Shambhala Reiki, Yasui Holy Fire Reiki. Well, that's okay. Before you list all those off, okay, because I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the people listening are, are they're not going to know what those are. They're not going to distinguish those. They're, you know, a lot of them may not even care. Um, but I, in looking at the the distinction now with all of these different varieties of Reiki, like, mm -hmm. why? Much like different traditions of witchcraft, much like different traditions of Wicca, much like different traditions of uh, different paths of religions, someone saw the original thing and went, I really like this, and connected with it, and then had their own personal experience that they then wanted to take and incorporate. So, example, uh, Karuna Reiki. It was developed by William Lee Rand and is one of the schools that supposedly a higher vibration or more powerful than a sui reiki um and they added different symbols and stuff like that um but where does that come from though i mean because it is not in essence isn't that basically just the upg yes of rand you said his last name was rand yes okay so i'm gonna quote one of my teachers 
Um, the practice of Reiki awakens the divine potential within each practitioner. And so these different flavors are indeed useful, but they are not necessarily more powerful. What it does is it's almost like when people connect with this energy and they have an experience and they have an attunement or they go through the process of actually utilizing this, they get this like, um, well, it's UPG. It's like that spark of gnosis of like, oh, I can use it this way. And that's kind of what happened with uh, Carrie Norwood, who did, who, who brought forth Blue Fire Reiki. Uh, Carrie Norwood is a traditional uh, fairy practitioner, F-E-R-I, the Victor Anderson, the, the Victor mm -hmm. Anderson, Cora Anderson traditions. Yeah. Um, and during her traditional um, Isui attunement for her master level, she had... Um, a spiritual experience where she actually visually started seeing blue fire um, fill the room. Um, blue fire is not just a, is not just a related to uh, fairy witchcraft. It's also related to various forms of witchcraft. Um, I mean, even in Italian witchcraft, fairies have blue flame. Okay, yeah, but, yeah, but you're not. Right. But oh, okay. But she had this experience, and from that experience, she received um, guidance from Malik Taus the blue god of fairy witchcraft mm -hmm. on how to utilize reiki and blue fire together to assist people okay and that's kind of what happens with all those other flavors in different currents is they go through the process of learning and growing and then they find something else they really like and they connect it and they blend them they synchronize them basically okay that's a lot it is a lot Okay. And it, to me, again, and this is just my opinion, there are some that are like, okay, no, that's legit. And then there are others where I'm like, you're just trying to make a lot more fucking money. Well, I mean, and I, I guess I hear those things. Getting back to like the kind of the, the, the line of, of the questioning I was getting. So so these, this is not angel energy. This is not dragon energy. This is not ascended consciousness this is this is certainly i mean the focus of this i, I think like this isn't like we're raising our vibrations right like we're not like this none of that none of that is this like all of that is the imprint of new age light worker spirituality or mentality mm -hmm. on this practice right that really mm -hmm. was not meant to be any of that right um and i'm i'm gonna say you know even as someone who isn't really a reiki practitioner i'm i have zero patience i have zero tolerance for that when the light worker community takes their their bullshit, which we're discovering more and more is rooted in in classism, elitism, and white supremacy. Oh yeah, of course. Right? They call themselves light workers for a reason. It's because they need everything to be white. Um, and I, I have a real problem with them laying their bullshit over these kinds of practices. Mm -hmm. They're doing it with witchcraft as well. Well, they're doing we it know with that. witchcraft, and when we look at it in in terms of Reiki, this is why the history of Reiki has been lost. You have some person who did a two-day, again, intensive, and they didn't learn any of the history. Their teacher didn't do their duty to teach them the history or guide them appropriately and just bulldoze them through levels one, two, and three, and boom, you're a Reiki master. Go charge $500 for your, 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 your one hour of energy work, and it's okay. And it's being taken by individuals and doing that. And so when you sit down and you actually ask them like, well, what's your lineage? Because Reiki is a lineage practice. Mm -hmm. Their response is my what? Yeah. It's just like when someone comes in and they're like, Oh, I'm a traditional weekend. And it's like, Oh really? What's your upline? Mm -hmm. 
Like, so basically, for those those maybe who are not familiar with this terminology, basically, like who initiated you? Yes. Like, and who you know, initiated like, that? And, who, and yes, and, and all the way back. Them. Who? Yeah, exactly. Where do all the? Where does that line of initiation mm-hmm. trace? I mean, I um, can name off my Reiki initiation at this my my Reiki lineage right now. Well, you don't need to do that. So, um, <clears throat> we, we, we know we know you're the real deal. You're definitely you're, you're always the real deal. Well, thank you, baby. Um, it, it, it's it's very frustrating because I get people who um, come to me to learn or receive a Reiki treatment and they've been spun the new age rhetoric, the new age rhetoric. And I mean, it happened the last time I did my level one before last, they sat down and they just were like, Oh, well, when are we going to learn about the chakras? Except for they didn't say chakras. They said chakras. Yeah. And I was like, we're, we're, we're not because it's not actually a part of Reiki. Well, the Reiki master I went to used chakras, and I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. it's not a part of Reiki, though. Yeah. And so it's very frustrating, because you have people taking this and and bastardizing it, and convoluting it, and not actually knowing its roots. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons that we we wanted to do an episode on this, because we we don't like seeing people Mm -hmm. taken advantage of. We do not like seeing people taking these things and utilizing them Mm -hmm. in ways that are... Uh, ultimately, I would say would be predatory. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, um, if we really look at it, um, we can actually trace this back to one of the original twenty-two initiates in the Western culture of of Reiki that uh, Hawaii Takata actually attuned and taught. Uh, Barbara Ray. Barbara Ray was one of the twenty-two initiates that didn't agree with Takata's granddaughter, like basically becoming like okay. I'm now kind of heading the Reiki organization over drama. here. Drama. Yes. Um, and Barbara Ray claimed that she had private lessons with Takata and that Takata named her the successor and grand master of Reiki. Uh, Barbara even cited like private conversations that claimed that there were in fact seven levels of Reiki and that the very that any version of Reiki that wasn't hers was fragmented and polluted. Sounds like a lovely person. Right? So she preached that her Reiki was the only true version of Reiki. She called her system real Reiki, even trademarked it, you know, super original. And then she trademarked the Radiance Technique, which was hers. Mm -hmm. And this created such massive amounts of separation between these people who were supposed to remain and work together that it just... It just became this huge convoluted thing. And in my in my studies with my original teachers, I looked up Barbara Ray, and of course, Barbara Ray was, guess what? She looked like a Barbara. Wow. Oh. Or, in, or in, in more modern context, a, a, a Karen. Karen. She was white. She had no respect for anything. I bet Usui, like, like haunted her, like, from the grave like i bet mm. like i'm just picturing like him like his spirit tormenting her like you took this thing well, and you and you ruined it with your 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 ego and your your hubris i, I would I, I would guess so except for the interactions um because during my attunements you, you have interactions with i don't want to say like the ancestors but that's what it feels like to me ancestors of reiki because mm. they kind of like just like with any other initiation, those spirits step forward mm-hmm. to to assist in that. And I was just joking. I'm sure you you said Usui was a, a Buddhist, so yeah. I'm sure he Usui was actually. I'm sure he was probably like meh. Yeah, you know. So um, 
Okay, so let's okay, so let's let's get practical because you're giving people a lot of history, and while that's wonderful, a lot of that really isn't information that they need unless they're actually really going to be like, like I want to do the Reiki too, right? Um, So let's talk a little bit about when you make an appointment with a legitimate Reiki practitioner, what that looks like. Okay, so every practitioner is going to be just a little bit different, but we all. But we all should have a very strict code of ethics. Reiki is a hands-off. Um, if you have... So that's first and foremost. Okay, so like, so to be clear, like a Reiki practitioner does not need to touch you. No, they do not. Okay, should they be touching you? Only if they have been given permission by the client. Okay. Um, my clients, after the first session, if they come back and see me... Um, we open up the conversation for like, you know, am I allowed to touch you if I feel that it needs a, a deeper connection? Because that's the thing is if I'm going to touch one of my clients, it's for a it's almost like to establish a a direct into the outlet versus utilizing a extension cord. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. OK. And so I very rarely will touch my clients. Okay. Um, and the only places that I will touch them aren't even on their like main body. It's usually just their head. Okay. Um, the main areas that I focus on are the occipital lobe, the crown, the eyes, and the ears. Okay. And that's it. Because if you get to the throat, you can potentially trigger someone. So no, a Reiki practitioner shouldn't automatically go to, I'm going to touch you. Okay. Yeah, I, that was kind of all I was my understanding is like, you don't need to be touching me to do no, this. No, you do not. Like, this is all about energetic exchange yep. or transfer. So why are you touching me? Exactly. Um, another thing you want to look for is they you, if you're going to see a Reiki practitioner for the first time, they should be asking you questions. Okay. They should be asking you, have you ever had a Reiki session before? Are you actually working with a doctor right now? Are you, you know, is there something that I need to look out for? When I see a client, I the first thing I ask them are those questions. Then I go, is there a place that I need to avoid? Is there a place that if you feel my hands and the heat coming off of them hover over you? Sorry for the emergency vehicles in the background. Hopefully everyone's okay. Is it going to make you uncomfortable? You know, those are the questions you want to ask. Um, okay. You also want... Uh, the Reiki practitioner also needs to ask them, what do you want to get out of this? Are you showing up here expecting me to work a miracle? Because we're not miracle workers. Okay. Um, so those are the first things you need to do. You also need to respect their time. If they're charging you $200 for a half hour appointment, mm. trust me, no one's that good at Reiki. I, w- I would pay Dr. Asui that because it's Dr. Asui. I would pay him $200 to do a Reiki session on me. But anyone else, I'm sorry, you're not, hmm. you're not that good. Okay. So what if I go in, I meet with a Reiki practitioner, and they're doing their thing, and during that session, they start to channel my higher self, or start to relay information from my guardian angels and my spirit guides. That's not our job. Things like that. Okay. That is not our job. If you go to a Reiki practitioner and they start doing stuff like that. They start reading you. They start relaying information that you didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. Then they're not respecting an energetic boundary. Cause that's still something that needs to be consent. Now I have clients who I've worked with for years, you know, mm-hmm. Meggie being one of them. Okay. And if 
one of her spirits pops up and comes through and is like, hey, I need you to relay this message, I have a good enough rapport with her that I could probably relay that. I'm still going to ask her permission, though. Okay. You know, Reiki practitioners are not mediums. Can a medium practice Reiki? Yes, we can. But that does not mean that once you do Reiki and you get your attunements that you're now a medium and that that gives you, you know, exclusive permission to just delve deep into everyone's aura and spiritual being all the time. That is unethical and that's energetic assault. Okay, so actually, so that brings up a question and I want to ask you this because I think that this is always a fair question to ask when we're dealing with things like this mainly because in putting yourself in a position to do this kind of work you are uh or you you should at least be anticipating that you are going to be working with other people in a relatively intimate um and 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 sensitive kind of a way right and and i don't mean like you know i'm not talking about anything inappropriate intimate i'm talking like like your you're messing with other people's energy. Mm-hmm. Like you are involved in other people's yes. energetic bodies. Well, and you so you might pick up things in their energetic so, field. Well, so that's my question. So, so would you say like, um, is there anyone that shouldn't do Reiki? Is there anyone that should not decide that they want to be a Reiki practitioner? Someone who is still in the process of deep healing. Okay. Um, I had this conversation when we first opened the shop, and I was doing. Um, we, I had, I, I did like a deal as like a celebration of opening up the shop mm-hmm. for, for Reiki students. And I had, you know, it was a flat fee and it was like three months and we were going to do levels one, two, um, and three, mm-hmm. you know, which can be done in three months. It's not necessarily something that I would suggest, but a lot of, a lot of people don't want to take the time to do it the way that you would traditionally. Exactly. Which yeah. is years. It's like your level one's a year, your level two's a year, your level three's a year. Um, so I, I had someone sign up for, for all three levels and they were gun ho about it because they had just had a Reiki session. They felt so good. And so they wanted to learn to do it. Okay, cool. Great. Good on you. So they show up to class and they're, a mess. They're crying. Um, they're talking about all these things that have happened to them and all these sexual assaults and da 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 da. And I'm just sitting here with a group of other students, and I'm like, okay. And the response ca- that came from them was, and I want to do this so I can help other people who've been through what I've been through. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, you're still going through that. And so I actually, after everyone was excused, I set them down and I told them, I said, listen, I don't feel ethically okay letting you go out and work on other people when you obviously are still in a process of deep healing. Okay. Like your wounds are still bleeding. They're still festering. And you want festering? to help other people. Ugh. Okay. You know? And I was very forward and very kind. I said, I will do level one because level one is all about the self. It's all about healing you and working on you. And they, I got them to agree. And about two years later, they, they, they came back in the shop and they told me how, how awesome it was that I encouraged them to just focus on them and how they still don't think they would ever be truly ready to help heal other people. Okay. And it was a good experience. So, so if you're in that situation, 
um, and it's going to change per you know per person. Yeah, but that's but that's a good thing I think again to to really kind of you know to kind of hit home mm-hmm. you know and and this is a conversation that we have a lot particularly when the the issue of ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes up, you know, and in ethics and spiritual work, you know, we we just I just taught that class here at the shop mm-hmm. the week before last, and I think people are drawn to these kinds of things. They're drawn to these kinds of practices because this, you know, it's exciting. They think this is going to be something that's going to be kind of like a door opener for them spiritually, mm-hmm. and for them, for them, mm-hmm. yes, personally for them, it absolutely could be. Oh yeah, well, Reiki is most definitely but, something that is. Like uh, that. But I think sometimes people they get so caught up in the shine, you know, the sparkly mm-hmm. of something new like this, mm-hmm. and they don't realize that in choosing to do this and then carrying this to the point where you're actually in a position to share this with other people, mm-hmm. you are accepting an enormous responsibility. Yes, and that's that's something that I, I, I was getting to is you're in service to people. They are not in service to you when you do this type of work. Um, yeah, there are people who are Reiki practitioners and that's their day job. You should not enter into this or do Reiki if you're doing it thinking you're going to be able to make a quick buck. Yeah. Um, Or if you're thinking it's going to be the one-way street to ultimate power, because it's not. That is the exact opposite of what Reiki teaches. Yeah. So, all right. So, one of the other things that I want to talk about with Reiki, because this this one was, um, I'll, I'll admit when I was first becoming familiar with Reiki, this one was a little difficult for me to wrap my brain around. Mm-hmm. But then, as someone who is a witch, I started to think of this in the context of basically spell work. So, can you can you facilitate Reiki on someone at a distance? Yes. So you can work on someone remotely? Yes. Okay. How, how does something like that work? In Reiki, we have a set of symbols that we that we utilize and work with, and a lot of them are based off kanji. I, I think I, I think the only one that's not is is the level one symbol, which is chokurei. Um, well, and that's the one that most people are familiar with. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. and and the thing is, is like these symbols used to be kept on lock. Like you weren't mm-hmm. able, you weren't supposed to talk about them. You can Google Reiki symbols right now. And I had my my I'm teaching a, a level one class right now. I talked about this, and I and I told everyone, I want you to whip your phones out and Google Reiki symbols. And actually, you didn't say that. I said, I want you to Google Reiki. They I'm, Googled I'm Reiki. I'm going to encourage you to stop asking our students to whip it out. Their phones. I asked them to take their phones out and Google Reiki. Okay. And every single one of them was like, oh, are these the symbols? Yes. You. They're yeah. readily available online at this point. Thank you, Barbara Ray. Um, so, so there are specific symbols that in kanji means certain things and one of them is the distance symbol or hon chazetonen and what it is is it helps um the way i describe it to my students is it's almost like a highway uh it means that there the translation i think is there's no time there's no place it doesn't exist and so in utilizing and empowering that symbol via the other symbols and the process of opening up uh it kind of creates this energetic tether between you and your client and can be utilized for you know distance work like I did today on on moon willow uh, to even past life stuff if that's seeming to affect you okay um, that once again gets way far into the realm of like new age light worker stuff 
Yeah. This is still stuff that Usui taught, but Usui didn't necessarily talk about it in terms of past life. Usui talked about it in terms of, like, um, if you were harboring guilt around a particular situation, is how he would utilize okay. it. Well, I'm sure uh, Usui, as a, as a Buddhist, probably had some... There, there was probably some belief in reincarnation. Oh, yeah, most definitely. There. And so it would be a symbol that was utilized to help with that. Okay. And that's one way to do it. On top of that, because Reiki... Um, is universal energy is the thought. A lot of people think Reiki means great bright light, and no, it doesn't. Ray is like thunder, lightning, power, and then Ki is life, you know? Um, because what you're doing is you're connecting to universal life force energy, essentially. Um, everyone's keyed into that. Everyone is already plugged into universal life force energy, right? Everyone has their upper self that pulls that energy down into their lower self and cycles it through their body. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we look at a threefold soul system or a three power center system or three diamonds or whatever, and the upper system, the the upper crown, is connected directly to the lower self. Those are the only two that communicate, whilst the middle deals with data processing everything in our life. It's our ego. And so with the connection of that upper realm that is connected to God, goddess, void, whatever you want to call it, whatever you connect to, by connecting to that, we can connect to other people. Okay. It's the same concept as doing spell work on someone who is not in the room. It is the same concept of sending a spell out Mm -hmm. when you don't know where this person lives, but you have their name and you have their birthday. Okay. Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and that's how I had to, to to come to think of this because when I first heard that you know a Reiki master was going to be directing healing at someone that lived on the other half of the world, I was like, "You're full of shit." Um, and then I started to think like, "Okay, no, no, I need to open my mind a little bit about this because you know, like I, I know that this person is you know they've they've learned this. This is a legitimate thing. Many people learn this." You know, um, and then, you know, and then, you know, with time, I had an opportunity to actually see the benefit and how people can, um, but, well, but also, I had to think about it like that. Like, this is basically just spell work. Mm-hmm. Well, it, and it is. And when I teach my classes, I teach it from the perspective of a witch. And that's the first thing I say in my classes. I'm a witch. I will teach this from the perspective of a witch. So I even teach people how to utilize it in their witchcraft. Okay. You know, um, so... I mean, it's like, it's like remote viewing. You're viewing something, but you're not necessarily there. Yeah. Or psychometry. You're picking up vibrations that are latent on an object. Yeah, but no, no longer, you know, even though... Yes, exactly. Okay. You know, All right. I mean, there's someone in our life that I can't physically do energy work on because it's too much. But if I do it from a distance, they receive benefit. Okay. All right. In teaching Reiki, mm-hmm. um, and well, not just teaching, but you know, being a practitioner, the knowledge that you have of Reiki, um, what are the things that you find the most frustrating? You know, and it could be anything. It could be like people's misunderstandings of things, uh, false expectations. Um, so are you talking about in terms of like me teaching my students or I'm just, just me as a general. teacher? And I'm just talking like just in, in, in that, that the community around that practice in general, because I think each community, and again, steering this back to witchcraft for a moment, people who are not witches, mm-hmm. 
but who seek us out for knowledge, training, mm-hmm. spell work, whatever it is we're doing, right? Because we do a lot of stuff, right? Um, who don't have a full understanding of what this really is, what a witch really is and what we do, mm-hmm. how we can benefit or potentially harm them. You know, like people who don't understand those things, I think they often approach us with some unrealistic expectations Most or some really odd ideas around who and what we are. Mm-hmm. So what have you seen as a Reiki teacher and practitioner that like coming from people who are really basically very unfamiliar with this? I've seen that it can remove demonic attachments. Okay. Uh, which is absolutely untrue. If a, if a demon is attached to you, you're not even going to go to a Reiki practitioner. Well, and um, I think we understand demons don't really attach to anything no, like that they don't. anyway. Um, can it help alleviate... I've seen that it can help kind of kick um, parasitic entities off. Okay, but that's not a demon. But that's not a demon, you know? Um I, I, so I've seen that. I've seen that people preach that Reiki can, um, like, cleanse the environment of negative, bad, nasty energies. And I will say that, again, we, we're seeing extremes. There are certain things that you learn. Like, I can, I can cleanse a room utilizing Reiki, most definitely. However... It's all a matter of levels, you know, like, is it just a, a, a point where, you know, there's been a lot of arguing that has gone in this space, you know, it would be really great for like a therapist's office where a lot of emotional baggage is unloaded and the energy just gets a little funky. Okay. Whereas going into a place where someone was, you know, going into a place that dead Ted Bundy, like that was his, like, that was his like domain. Yeah. Reiki is not going to do shit there. There's so much evil in that area hmm. that pumping universal life energy into that is just going to either make things make things act up more or just not really do anything. You'll just end up exhausting yourself. Um, I've seen that people claim it, it, it's again a title. You know, well, hmm. I'm a Reiki master. And it's yeah. like, cool, you and every fucking every, everybody else out there you know, it, it does seem like it's become it, a it very become common a dime kind of a thing. You know, yeah. so every but that doesn't mean that all of those Reiki practitioners are going to necessarily be practicing at the same level. Exactly. Right? A lot of them, as you said, are going to be people that, like, they half-assed their way through an online course mm-hmm. or they went to, like, a weekend seminar, mm-hmm. you and, know, and they're not going to be doing the same work for you, though a legitimate practitioner Exactly. Will. And that's, that's that there. That is the frustration. Because I, I have people who come in and I interact with them all the time and when they come into the shop. And the first thing they do when I ask them a question because they're talking about this thing they're going to do. And I kind of go, I, I do the whole, okay, well, what makes you think that that's, where'd you get this information? To which their response is always, well, I'm a Reiki master. And it's like, okay, well, Reiki doesn't utilize stones or herbs. Yeah. Can you? Sure. But it doesn't utilize them. Okay. You know, um, you don't learn about that in Reiki. You're a gatekeeper. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, things that bother... Um, other things that I get frustrated with, the people who are initiated by spirit in Reiki. Oh, God. Or, or 
are this is one that I found online. Hecate attuned someone to Reiki. I'm like, Hecate mm-hmm. didn't do that. That's not how that works. Yeah. No. You know? So those are the things that are frustrating to me. And the other thing that's really frustrating is how really good example I made some incense mm-hmm. and we this is before we opened our own shop I made some incense we took them into another place in town who wanted to carry them okay cool um, and I sold them to them and, and they were talking to me like oh well aren't you a Reiki practitioner I was like yes and they're like, oh, these are Reiki charged and they took incense that should have been you know four ninety five five. Five ninety five a package and upped it to thirteen dollars a package. They were, they were selling it at fifteen originally, and then they dropped it down for thirteen sticks yeah. of incense. Yeah, light workers, huh? And people ate that shit up, and I was like, "Oh my god, that is." Not okay. Un- unethical as that hell. That is unethical. Well, and you quit making incense for them as soon I as did. you realized that was going well, on. Well, and I even brought it up to them because I went in a couple weeks later and I, I looked I was like, oh, I think someone mispriced the, my incense. And they went, no, those are the prices. And I was like, you're, you're charging $15 for a package of my incense? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, people love them. They're Reiki charged. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. That doesn't make them automatically more valuable. Yeah. And that's extremely frustrating to me, is how something that is a practice that is meant to help people has been taken and turned into this huge label that you slap you, you slap Reiki charge on anything and, oh, motherfuckers, motherfuckers are going to eat that shit up. And it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Well, but that to me is also another example of the the uh, the confusion that pops up a lot in the light worker community uh i shouldn't say confusion because i don't believe anybody's confused i really truly believe they do these things deliberately but the issue that we see in that community in particular around um consumerism mm-hmm. uh elitism right like mm-hmm. like well if you want to be saved if you want to be cleansed if you want to raise your vibration you're going to have to afford this $300 crystal mm-hmm. you know and you know and i'm not saying that they're the only community that has that problem because i have met some witches oh, and yeah. some and some brujas and some i mean whatever that whatever the title may be i have met some people over the years well, no matter what community you're going to be and they're going to be unethical who you're exactly i've people. i've met some people that that thought that yeah whatever it is that they were going to do for you yeah that was worth several thousand dollars mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. I could do the same work for you for thirty bucks. Come and see me. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and so, but I see that where Reiki in particular is something that you're absolutely right. It has been used so bad uh, for people to profit, and most of the time, these aren't even people that are re- like. I remember this particular situation, and we're not going to name any names because it doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve any purpose, and I think these people probably even aren't. They're probably not even affiliated with this place anymore, this business anymore. But, uh, but I remember that that situation and. The thing that I thought was really uh, kind of odd, one of the situations I heard, details around that situation or exchange I thought was really odd is neither of the two people that were doing that, that were so excited and that decided, they decided that your incense was Reiki charged because you just happened to also be a Reiki master. Neither of them were Reiki practitioners. Yeah. Like they had no no way to, to gauge that energy, 
they had, you know, like they they really they were not the people to even really be be making an assessment like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, so I just thought that was odd. I was like, neither of you were even Reiki practitioners. You don't even know what this would even be. Even if these were Reiki charged, you wouldn't even know what this would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just thought that was like like wow. So you you got greedy. You know, and that's really, I think, in essence, that's what that was. They were just, they're just willing to profit on other people's mm-hmm. need for spiritual connection, which is disgusting. Um, anyway, so, is there anything else? Like, have you noticed anything else that you know? Like, I, I guess this this is, maybe this is a better way to ask you this question. So, in teaching this uh, this practice to students, mm-hmm. what do you hear from your students in class? Like the, like, the things that they bring to class that have them so confused? You know? I mean, you mentioned one. You talked about somebody that showed up like, oh, chakras, right? And mm-hmm. you're like, meh. Um, I've had people talk about connecting with their guardian angels. I've heard people talk about how it's an ancient practice from Lumeria. Oh god, the Lemurians are. I uh, I think I think the thing that really got me, um, it actually happened in the the, the most recent class. We're only so we we start class two. Uh, our, the second class next week, but two things happened. I had one person, um, one one of the one of the triplets, um, showed me this post on a Facebook group they're a part of and it was like attunements child attunements for Reiki level one. Oh, I remember talking with you about that and it was like $450 and it was a 90 minute attunement and da 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 and I was reading this and this person was going off on that and about how what Reiki was sent here by Christ to raise the vibration of the planet <laughs> and all this other stuff. And I was reading this and I was getting, I, I would say angry, but like the more I sat and analyzed it, I was hurt because this is a, a practice that is dear to me. I, I, I love this practice. I love this modality of healing and spiritual practice. And I'm sitting here. And one of the things that stuck in my mind when I read that was you don't really need to know anything about reiki you don't need to know any of the history to do level one i'm like that's all level one is that's that's all shinpaiden is Mm -hmm. shinpaiden level is level one and all last class we barely got into the exercises that i wanted to get into because i was telling them about the fucking history and lineages yeah you know and then the second was um i got this notification from someone on tiktok um, and they messaged me about how, uh, apparently, they were a past student of mine, they were a past Reiki student of mine, they didn't feel that they got the amount of practice in they wanted to, and they didn't know when I was going to be doing another level one. Okay. Um, and so they went and they did Usui Holy Fire. Okay. Um to which one of the people in this area in Salt Lake City, Utah Uh told them he was going to have to de-attune them to re-attune them because a witch taught them Reiki. Mm -hmm. And a witch isn't able to practice Reiki appropriately. Mm -hmm. And I was floored. Like, excuse me? I have been practicing Reiki since I was 17. 
I got my master attunement level at, at, at 19 because I had to. It was part of a, a part of coven commitments that I had to do. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. And this motherfucker who's been <laughs> doing Reiki for oh, a couple years, maybe, uh, whose only affiliation is, I do singing bowls. I'm a white dude with dreads. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's holy fire from Christ. Yeah. Was like, no, witches can't do that. And I'm sitting over here and I'm like, it's a typical light worker. Isn't that hilarious when you think about that? I think about not in Reiki in the context of Reiki specifically, but I love when you hear light workers and new agers talk about, well, well, witches can't do this. Well, witches don't do this. Well, witches don't believe in this. Witches can't do this. And it's like, you stole just about everything you do from us. Everything. Are you insane? Of course we do all these things. We were doing them centuries before you and your phony baloney belief was ever even a thing. You know, I love I love that line of thinking. It's like you're trying to discredit us because now that you've taken everything that we do that you value, or yeah, that they're can, fucking colonizers. That you can make money doing right now. You discredit us because now only you get to hold this information. Well, part right? of it's and, because we're a threat. Like, well, we're a threat, and I think on some level they know because we've talked about this on the podcast before. These this kind of mentality, like this fool here, that is that you were just relating this experience about. Okay, this is exactly the kind of person that is going to deattune someone who already has their reiki attunements, so that they can then reattune them, probably charge them an arm and a leg in the process for doing this, and also probably do something seriously fucked up to their energy. Oh yeah, and that person they're going to seek out you. They're going to come back to you when this person is done with them and they feel like shit. And I hope they were smart enough to tell this person to go fuck himself. But they're going to come back to you, the witch, to fix it. Because that's what we do. As witches, as folk practitioners, whatever the title may be, this is what we do. We fix the light worker and new age peoples. We fix their fuck ups. At least. Yeah. 80% of the work that we do here is because someone has come to us needing help because some light worker spiritualist has fucked them up energetically. Mm-hmm. And we set them right, we get them back on a good path. We we heal them. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we tell them like please don't go back to these people and if they're smart they listen, but a lot of them don't unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, I think that's the most frustrating part. It, for me is people come with these expectations of it's this, 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 angels, it's this, it's this, and I'm just like, no. Like, I've had conversations with, with Reiki practitioners, I'm like, well, how long was Dr. Usui fasting? And they can't answer it. Oh, I know this one. This is the story where he asked one of his apostles to bring him like a fish and a loaf of bread and he used reiki to make that one fish and that (laughs) one loaf of bread like like it was enough fish and bread to feed the entire congregation of people that had gathered i remember this story that's about that's about the level of what people think and and it's really frustrating and you know we're in a day and age where everything is readily available you can go online and find someone to teach you and attune you and do all this other stuff. And um, I think the last time I did attunements, I- I'm very much a, the type of person who thinks that I believe that attunements can be passed distance if the Reiki practitioner, Reiki master, knows what they're doing. The only ones that I've ever seen who are successful are witches. 
um, are, are, are witches because why is that? Because we already know how to work distantly. Okay. Most most of the time, most witches, like legit witches, we know how sympathetic magic works and sympathetic links work. Yeah, you know, and so because of that, it's easy for us to key into that energy and basically use a sympathetic representation of the student that houses their energy to to attune them versus these other people who are on fucking tiktok waving their hands around making clicking noises saying that they're gonna send you a reiki blast and i'm like what the fuck is a reiki blast and why would you want a reiki blast exactly i don't think i've ever enjoyed any kind of blast now that i'm thinking about it so i believe that witches have the ability to do that but just your regular, average, everyday Reiki, like, I'm a Reiki practitioner. That's what I do. I think we've, we're kind of at this point where we're like, maybe it is. And I think we had to adjust during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, just seek out, seek out a teacher in person and look for red flags. We've talked about so many red flags. Yeah. Well, we did the episode too where we talked mm-hmm. about ethical practice. You well, know, if we, um, and what to be aware of when you're dealing with spiritual practitioners. I, I remember, I remember I was looking into doing my Sui Holy Fire, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know, I don't know about this, and I, I was on the fence. I was on the fence, and so I actually contacted the person who was doing it, and then and I told him I was like, this is just me. I've had really bad experiences, and and you know, I want to know like, what does the typical like first meeting look like? And they're like, oh, well, we all get together and we do a, a we, we hug each other heart to heart. And then they steam their yonis. And then we, and then we do a sound bath meditation of love and compassion in the sea of Reiki. And I was just like, what? And I, I didn't go through with it, which is why the Reiki masters I've worked with have all been witches. Like okay. Melbourne, my first Reiki master... Which yeah. he was an elder in my coven. Yeah. He amazing Reiki practitioner. He's one of those. Yeah. He 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 was a true Reiki practitioner where he would walk into a room and he would just sit down and he'd open up, turn Reiki on, and everyone in that room at that point we were all just like like super relaxed and chill. Yeah, he was into other occult like yeah stuff too yeah yeah he was like demon said, altar yeah so yeah. Okay, so so I think that's one of the things that that just still gets me is there are people out there who are teaching they shouldn't be teaching yeah. just because you're a Reiki master just because you have your third degree your third level mm-hmm. your Okuden mm-hmm. or no not Okuden Shoden just because you have your Shoden level doesn't mean you're qualified to teach yeah you know um, just because you can sing doesn't mean you're a voice teacher doesn't mean you can teach other people to sing. Um, just because you're a witch doesn't mean you you can teach other people witchcraft. Yeah. You know? It takes a certain type of person to be a teacher. And when you sit down and that teacher can't meet you where you're at and help you grow, and instead their response is to just love and light it away, mm. that's a red flag. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Well, all right. Have we have we discussed Reiki enough? I I think so. If is there, anyone, is there, are there any parting notes you would like to, to share with our listeners on Reiki? Uh, first and foremost, Reiki is not just a healing practice. You know, I said that in the beginning, and it is not. It is a spiritual practice. There is a there. 
there is a regimen you have to do to keep up with it. There are certain things you got to do to keep up with it. And so if you are considering learning Reiki, I highly suggest seeking out a professional and doing some... Sorry. There it is. You have to yawn on each episode, I was wondering. Sorry. Um, you have to... You have to seek out a professional and maybe, maybe well, do, do your research in that yeah. person. When we talk about seeking someone out, it's not just about like, oh, I found someone. Now yeah. I can learn. Like it's do like, research. Like, okay. Like where did you learn? You know, um, you know, I mean, I'm asking like, like you ask these people, like, yeah. where did you learn to do this? Yeah. Like who initiated you? Can I contact them and find out more about them? Mm-hmm. You know, how far back does your, does your connection to this go? You know, like these are fair questions. And if that yeah. person gets, weird with you or or belligerent and difficult with you because you asked them that that is your first sign you do not want to learn from that person well and before you even decide to learn reiki you should probably do you should get some reiki treatments first you know just so you can see how it feels how you react because not everyone's going to react to reiki the same way okay i mean someone you and i someone that you and i both know and love i i do reiki on her and she gets a bloody nose which is why I have to that's do it. That's true. Own. Energetically, we're all very different. Exactly. That's true. And that's another thing that you have to understand with Reiki is we're all different. And so, while yeah, Reiki can't do harm. Like it is not one of those things that can do harm. And oh no, no, no. Are you sure? Yeah. Really. Uh huh. All right. It's. How can I explain it? Because it is. You, you, the healer. Are the vessel mm-hmm. and are directing the energy. Okay. Um, basically, while you're doing a Reiki session, you'll know when it's done because you'll feel it. Okay. Um, uh, uh, that's how I know how to move positions. Like, if I'm doing Reiki on you and I'm focusing solely on, like, your head, let's say you have a, a sinus headache, and I'm focusing on that to help alleviate some of that pressure, and my hands go from the normal lava that they usually are when I'm doing Reiki to... Oh, now they're just normal. That's my sign. The temperature of your palms is what you're Um, talking about. Then that's my sign to move. And that's another thing is everyone always attributes heat, heat, heat to Reiki. And I will tell you right now, no, not everyone's going to see that. So if you want to learn Reiki or if you have any other questions about Reiki, please feel free to shoot us a message and let us know. I'm more than happy to answer any of those questions. Um... I will also answer those questions, but I'm going to warn you right now, my my answers will be ridiculous and totally uninformed on Reiki because I am not a Reiki practitioner. No, but you have your level one. I do have my first attunement. I'm not proud of that, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny because he'll sit here and go, Reiki, meanwhile, I'll start to do Reiki on him. He's like, I don't feel, and then he's asleep. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to go to sleep. If you're going to do Reiki on me, I want to feel like... Um... Actually, no. Most of the time, and this is something that I've noticed, is people will fall asleep, mm-hmm. or it's almost like they'll astral project, they'll trance out during a session. Yeah. And they come back and they're like, oh, oh, I was out that long? And it's like, yep, yep, you were. So for those of you who want to know, my lineage is this. It goes, me, Storm Fairy Wolf, Carrie Norwood, uh... Melanie Starr. Martin Lay, John Pickering, Neil Lister, Bruce Way, Christine Henderson, Mary Shaw, Claudia Hoffman, Phyllis Leiferomoto, Hoeo Takata, Chujiro Hayashi, and then Dr. Usui. If someone can't pull their lineage up and present it to you, they're not legit. Yep. 
So there we go. I think we're I think we're done. I don't know. I can only talk about Reiki for so long before I'm like, okay, I'm basically giving a level one class here. I was just thinking, you've, you've, yeah, you've you've talked a lot about Reiki, and I appreciate you sharing your your expertise and your knowledge on on all all the things. So, what's going on in the world or in the witch community right now that you're happy about? I don't know. I'm very disconnected. Are you? Um, from those things, like I, I'm involved in the store and stuff, but in the store, I'm basically customer service. You know, um, I have noticed that there's this resurgence of um, people struggling with like ancestral veneration and not necessarily understanding the difference between like ancestors of blood, ancestors of spirit. The, the deviations they're in and the subcategories and yeah. and people struggling because you know we have we have people who are like well I'm 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 gay and my family's all like Southern Republican conservative so you know that's where they came from and working with those ancestors is is it's just not something that's going to happen and I mean that's okay uh, so something I, I usually tell people is that when you work with your ancestors you truly are working with all your ancestors and the ancestors that don't want to work with you are the ones who are not going to show up yeah they they have they have free agency just like everyone else uh on top of that um you can choose whether or not you work with them and thus by working through your issues of shame around certain situations like that like just using gay as an example or lgbtq or gender identity or whatever if you have shame or regret or remorse or you feel bad about that or you feel less than because of that if you work through that yourself mm -hmm. you're going to see that your ancestors will respond in tandem true you, we, we can help them as they help us so the example you gave kind of makes me giggle a little bit because I've, I've had interactions with people like that not necessarily around ancestral work but they've talked about like oh well you know, like my, you know, I come, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm LGBTQ, you know, plus, and mm -hmm. I come from this very staunch conservative family from the South. And I love those kinds of stories because if you dig enough into the family history there, you inevitably find a story of like, oh yeah, great, great uncle, what's his name, who never got married. You know, he was just a confirmed bachelor, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, you know, and he, he always, you know, he was a man's man, you know, and he just, he just loved to hang out with his guy friends, you know, and yeah. And I just, I love stories like that where it's like, okay, clearly great, great uncle, whatever was super gay. Super hard. Um, but this was probably an era that these things, maybe they just weren't discussed. Right. Or mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I just, I love those stories because I firmly believe that that shit runs in families. It certainly runs in mine. Um, and most of the other LGBTQ plus people that I'm familiar with, yeah, that's, that shit runs in those families. Um, every family that has a, a current, you know, modern day genderqueer person, yeah, the, I guarantee you there were genderqueer people in that family previously. They just didn't talk about that shit. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, anyway. All right, well. I'm trying to think of what's been going on lately. Eh, I don't know. I can't really think of anything that's really happened of late that has me like, oh yeah, this, we should talk about this. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, I think we're going to call this an episode. But before we go, again, I want to remind all of our listeners to 
tune in next week. We're going to have another a guest on. We're very excited. Yes. Sorry this episode um, was late this week. It's been... We're, we're still adjusting. We're, yeah, we're, we're still dealing with a, a, an ill family member that has kind of thrown our regular schedule off. off Which is uh, okay. Track we got to do that. But yeah. also on top of that, it's just been really busy with like classes. And yeah, that's, yeah, like, that's very true. Yeah, yeah we've had a lot going on. You know, we were going to we were gonna do it on our original day and then like we got home and it was like, you know, 1130 at night and we were like, I'm not recording the yeah. episode right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. One more thing I want to talk about... Um, I, I want to um, promote another podcast um, on here. Uh, the podcast is the is called the Lavender Scare. Ooh. Um, and those of you maybe who are a little more familiar with like LGBTQIA plus history, gender history, or politics, these kinds of things. Those of you maybe who are a bit more familiar with that, um, the history there, you might maybe be familiar with that term, the lavender scare. Um, but there is a podcast now that is being done by a, a, a they, they are a family. Uh, someone who we, we consider a, a, a component or a part of we our... We love our, them. Yes, exactly. Yes, we do. And they we. need to come see us or yes. we need to go yes, see them. To, well, now let, let's hope they listen to this episode, right? Um, I'm singing to you, Yes. Keanu. So, yes. Yeah, so, anyway, but yes, we, we do love them and they are a part of our family. And uh, But they are also doing a podcast. Um, and their podcast is really cool. Like, I was listening to it earlier today. Um, and they have, like... They have some really interesting conversations. So, the podcast is... Uh, again, Lavender Scare, and the variety of topics are very interesting. They talk a lot about occultism and witchcraft and folk practice, um, but they also talk a lot about the political nature of these practices. They talk a lot about gender politics. The host of the podcast, uh, Keanu, uh, Keanu, is non-binary um, and, and is a queer person of color. And so all of these different perspectives are all kind of rolled into this podcast and it's 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 really cool the conversations the topics are really interesting and they have these really cool like musical breaks in the podcast with like like some pretty awesome like music um yeah so i'm i'm digging it and yeah and those of you who, who listen to us i would also encourage you to go check out this other podcast uh they are breaks in the podcast. they are doing something cool what you could probably put musical breaks in the podcast. well these are like we're talking like like actual like like I the I think the first episode had uh, a song by FKA Twigs and then like another song that that played during that like by another like fairly well known EDM producer or, or uh, music producer so anyway so I you know like I said and I, I anyway I you know it's not about it's it's really it's not about the music right it's not about you know the artist and those it's it's really it's about the information um but but the format for their podcast is um i think is a very cool and i think um many of the people who listen to ours would also i think enjoy uh so yeah so anyway so the lavender scare go check it out um you know give them a listen and then give you know give us a listen um as always like comment share um subscribe you know, the more listeners we have, the better. If you have any questions, we are always open to receiving those questions. And let us know what you'd like to hear. But again, we're having some great guests on in the next upcoming weeks. And, um, yeah, all I can say is stay safe out there. Happy witching. Thank you, everybody.